0: The Kennedy Paradox, Chapter 10, Stebbins, Virginia, Sunday, February 26, 1961, 2.35pm. Cuba became more of a complicated problem than gathering information on the Nazis and the Gestapo in World War II. Switzerland back then was an excellent neutral place to be gathering intelligence, but the United States in 1961 was hardly neutral. Castro had just married himself to Khrushchev to protect his new communist archipelago. From an intelligence perspective, with the looming Russian arsenal, everything Ashkamp did had to be disguised, even the invasion. Bill Pladen came back on the phone from Miami. What if Kennedy rejects Kane's next plan? I don't like the Joint Chiefs reformulating what we already know. Ashkamp gripped the phone. A.C. Rav's funding is intact. It's only a matter of implementation. I'll call you back when Fletch Knight leaves, Bill. Okay? Robert, I would like to get John Kane in your office with Fletch. If this Cuban thing isn't going forward, we have to adjust. Noted. I'm convinced, as is Clay Naback, that Fletcher knows more than he's telling you about the shenanigans in Cuba. Why would you say that? Pressland's bragging about how he knows Johnny Rosselli and every other member of organized crime. Danny Boy's mixed it up with Frank Regano and company at the Flamingo Lounge in Miami. Barroom talk is not concrete, said Askam. I need concrete intelligence. Nobody will give concrete. I'll call you later today after this meeting. We have a rogue elephant, Kincaid, the guy picked up by Ray Mankowitz in New Jersey like Landers, a story that makes no sense. Send Kincaid down here. We'll find out who he is. I will consider that. Goodbye, Bill. Ashcombe tapped his pipe in the ceramic ashtray. His schedule had accelerated with the evolving Cuban situation. Hemispheric covert operations consumed his time, and in just a few days, he would personally brief the president about plans for the possible Cuban invasion. More importantly... He awaited word on this mysterious Kincaid. Having the same bizarre time-travel cover as the Landis woman was odd. The walnut door opened, and his gray-haired secretary leaned inside. "'Mr. Knight is here.' "'Send him in,' said Ashcombe as he stood. Fletcher Knight, his hair combed straight back in his woostered brown suit without a wrinkle, carried his leather briefcase inside. He looked directly into Ashcombe's eyes but said nothing. What have you got, Fletcher? Right. Dan Daniel just called me again about Kincaid. He says Kincaid's story continues to show even more similarities to what the Landers woman has told us. Ascrum nodded. Kate Landers had held firm about the bullshit of coming back through time. He smiled at the cunning way someone sent her into the mix. I just don't know what she's trying to penetrate or what he's up to. It's a ridiculous cover. He finished running the checks on Kincaid's background. Like Landis, he doesn't exist. But he knew about Zeta-7. And I've been researching Colonel Bob Kincaid. He's a trusted operative monitoring the U-2 from the naval base in Japan. Interesting, he said, pushing his intercom button. Harriet, get me John Kane in here. Knight did not flinch. John? I want to talk to him about the technical aspects of this science because Mankowitz says Kincaid knows the science of dilation experiments in detail, and he claims that Bob Kincaid is his father. Knight wrote something on his small brown leather notebook and tucked it back in his suit coat pocket. Fletcher, are we still using Johnny Rosselli in the Caribbean? And has Dan Preslin met with him? Knight again stared at him before speaking. Well, I'm certain Rosselli, as you know, has consulted with a few people, Robert. I don't see an active role, and I know nothing of Dan meeting with Johnny Rosselli. I don't trust Johnny Rosselli, I don't trust Carlos Marcello, I don't trust Santo Trafficante or Sam Giancana. And you can add Jimmy Hoffa and his union thugs to my list. You deal with their ilk and you expose yourself to blackmail. Knight opened his briefcase on the oak-side table. He removed several reports and handed them to Ascombe. These reports are self-explanatory. I have a transcript of Minkiewicz's questioning of Kincaid. Ascombe nodded and set the pipe in the ashtray and then sat down. We need someone to dissect his story and establish how his cover was set up, said Knight as he closed and locked the briefcase. Call Mike Choden before he goes back to Mexico City, said Askim as he glanced up. Brief him and fly him directly up with Mankiewicz and Kincaid. I don't like this. These people are mystery people, and that's dangerous. We have too much at stake here over the next few months. To have people like Kincaid and Landis blowing into town, did either one of these individuals mention Cuba? Askim slowly tightened his fist on the mahogany armrest as he read out loud, let me read this. Eyes Only Secret Questioning of Captain Patch Kincaid. Barton College Library, R. Mankiewicz, February 25th, 1961, 1800 EST. Mankiewicz question, What do you know about my work, Mr. Kincaid? Kincaid? Captain Kincaid. Huh. And then he tells Mankowitz that he worked with Hollis Lomansky, quantizing electrons in electromagnetic fields. And now he says that Mankowitz is trying to teleport particles through time and he knows about Mankiewicz's request to furnish an accelerator to move matter back and forth through time. Well, security has damn well been compromised. He knows what Ray is doing and how he's doing it. Ascom read that Kincaid claimed he had traveled back from 1986. He described US cities being blown up by portable nuclear weapons devices. Portable weapons devices, interesting concept. Mike Choden understands propaganda. He needs to find out about this ridiculous 1986 story. Knight tilted his head. <laughs> you aren't believing this time-travel Malaki, are you? All aspects of Kincaid's story will be explored. He set down the report. These mystery people potentially threaten all world stability. I want a photograph of this man circulated now. I would advise bringing in Dr. Braun. He'll pump some exotic drugs into Kincaid and... Kincaid will be telling us how it was like inside his mother's womb. Tentatively set up Braun, he said as he held the pipe in his hand. Landers never mentioned Zadra Seven or A.C. Rav, correct? No, she didn't, said Knight. We'll send out the photo, Robert. Ashkin's intercom buzzed. Send out both photos, Landers and Kincaid. Knight nodded and Ashkin pushed the button. Yes. Mr. Kane is here. Please, send him in. Ashkin observed Knight squint very slightly. The man never showed his feelings. The door opened and a tall man with trim peppered hair and black glasses entered the room. Gentlemen, he said as he glanced at Knight but said nothing. Ashkin placed both hands on the desk and leaned toward Kane. John, I won't hold you up. I know this is unscheduled. Is there a connection between Bob Kincaid, the colonel, with the U-2 in Japan, and that guy that showed up on Ray Mankiewicz's doorstep? It's very odd, but he has a son named Robert G. Kincaid Jr., nicknamed Patch. Knight stood upright. Well, there's a connection, Robert. Mankiewicz's guy isn't very bright taking that cover. John, said Ashkam, how do you feel that this Cuban thing is going? Well, they're all hesitant from... Kennedy on down. Kennedy already rejected my plan once. He has the Joint Chiefs all over this. Everybody knows it was an Eisenhower-Nixon operation, said Knight. And personally, I think they're scared. Ashkem lit his pipe. Our asses are on the line, Fletcher. John, have you been briefed on this Kincaid character and his female cohort? Kane removed his glasses, crunched his eyes closed, and pinched the bridge of his nose. Then he opened his eyes. I read the intel and Ray Minkowitz's debriefing. Well, combined with the Bob Kincaid Japan thing, what's your best guess? Kane pressed his lips. Knight folded his arms and with a cocky tone in his voice, faced Kane. The man who understands the U-2 under and over is baffled by Kincaid. The U2 is a glider with a jet engine. It flies at 70,000 feet for 4,000 miles. Captain Kincaid said he's traveled back in time 25 years. He adjusted his glasses. I believe he's telling the truth. Oh, hogwash, said Knight. It's clear he used the cover of Bob Kincaid's son. And that's just plain dumb. Ask him round to the desk. No, no, tell us why you think that, John. Well, simply put, what Kincaid says makes sense scientifically. If Ray is successful over the next 25 years, then Kincaid makes total sense. Knight assumed an aggressive stance in front of Kane. Ray Mankiewicz will need 25,000 years, not 25 years. "'I'm insisting that Dr. Braun inject the phony Kinkade and break the bastard. "'Let's deal in reality, gentlemen,' ask him, pipe in his mouth, glared at him. "'We have to be careful of Braun. He goes too far. "'I'm not a fan of his sensory deprivation chamber.' "'It works,' said Knight. "'Smoke twisted out of his pipe. "'Listen, we're going to find out where they... "'Let Mike Choden take care of this. He can decipher a mountain of doublespeak.' He can create a mountain of doublespeak, too, said Knight. Ashkem half smiled and turned to Kane. We're almost there, John. Castro will be gone, unless people panic. Kane pressed his lips. When Castro is gone, our problems won't go away, but they certainly will be eased considerably. Kincaid and Landis may work for the Russians, and the Russians still want a piece of the pie, said Knight. Or maybe Rosselli and his friends have sent Kincaid, said Kane. "Do you ever think of that? I don't trust them either. But I would use them where I need to use them. Do you have any indication that they're involved or if Dean Pressland has been talking to them, asked Ashcomb. You know, Rosselli and his group. Kane shook his head. Not that we know. Then it must be the Russians. If they sense weakness. They'll sure as hell go for the jugular. We need to show them force. It's what we've needed to do ever since Castro got into power. Agreed. If we're done here, Robert, I have an operational meeting with Chet. We're done, said Ashcombe. Why don't we meet again with Mike and Bob Dietrich after they question Kincaid? Knight nodded. Flanders and Kincaid have connections. Let's track them down for our own advantage. If not, we'll just weigh how important they are to us. Fletch? Nice to see you, John. Said Knight, still not shaking his hand. Goodbye, Fletch. Ashcombe listened to Knight's shoes snap against the tiles. The door closed and he turned to Kane. I have a summation pertaining to one Fletcher Knight, said Kane, and he will hold his secrets to the death.